Our scripture tonight comes from Mark 9, verses 2 through 9 in the NIV. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up high on a mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, they were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Emily. Welcome, everyone. So good to see you all here tonight. Uh, we have so many kids back, which is so cool, uh, all playing out in the courtyard. And it was just so cool to see all the kids back tonight, or a lot of the kids back tonight. Um, super exciting for me uh, and for my wife. And we wanted to let you all know, uh, probably most of you who have been coming here for a while know this already, but um, outside in the courtyard, we have a TV set up that's live streaming. So if you have friends that are still wanting to come to church, but they would like to be outside, uh, this is a way in which they can gather outside and still have community, be together. And we're even going to have one of the pastors, uh, myself or Drew, during uh, communion and offering for the benediction, actually go out to the courtyard and do that uh, with people out there in the courtyard. So if you know people who are still waiting for things to be a little better before they return to church, if you could help us let them know uh, that that's an option for them as well. Uh, again, my name is Keith. Uh, we're so glad to have you here. We're in an Embody series all this year. Uh, last week, Drew preached and he preached on uh, about the synagogue and how that word synagogue means to gather. And that Jesus was not just going into the synagogues and gathering people, but that he was going out into the community and he was becoming a gathering place. And the things that were happening around Jesus uh, in those gatherings were people getting healed, uh, people being delivered, people being set free. And tonight, as we continue uh, that journey in the lectionary, we're in the Gospel of Mark again, and tonight our text uh, is Embody Transformation. Uh, that is what we're talking about tonight. We are approaching the season of Lent. Has anybody ever in their life celebrated Lent before? Oh, amazing, amazing. So for me, my introduction to Lent as a kid was getting uh, to go to this thing called Mardi Gras in New Orleans. And uh, it was this massive party. And I was like, so this is what people do before what, mom and dad? Before this Christian holiday called Lent? This is like the beginning for that? Um, so that was how I was kind of introduced to uh, the season of Lent. 
And I can tell you that in my entire 44 years of existence, I, existence, I have never given up anything for Lent. But this year I am. Uh, this year I'm actually going to be giving something up for Lent. And I would encourage you to think about this maybe in your life. Uh, if you would like to do that as well, to give something up, there's also the idea of taking something up. Uh, because as we enter into the season of Lent, we are preparing, it's, it's essentially we are entering into the desert, the 40 days of Jesus being in the desert, of Jesus being tempted, of Jesus fasting, of Jesus sacrificing in the desert. And so in a way, we are entering into that season with him that will ultimately lead us to this downward journey with Jesus that will end with him in the tomb. Uh, the season of Lent will end uh, there in the tomb. And then this new day will come. This new day. But as far as giving something up, if, if you would just consider some ideas that you could potentially give up that wouldn't necessarily just be a benefit to you. Uh, so, for example, I've heard things like giving up chocolate. If you want to give up chocolate, that's fine. But what if instead of giving up chocolate, what if you gave up something that wasn't just good for you, but that was actually good for others. It was good for like the environment. Like just for the month of Lent, what if you gave up using plastic? Uh, what if during the month of Lent that you tried to buy clothes uh, through a source that was uh, sustainable and that was ethical, uh, maybe like Goodwill? Um, what if during this season of Lent that the sacrifices we would be making would actually have a real impact, uh, potentially here in our community, but maybe also globally? That this season of Lent is not just a season, but it is a call upon our life. It's a call upon our life. Um, as we find uh, Jesus here in this text tonight, um, he is going to be taking his disciples, these three disciples, to the mountain. He's going to take them to the mountaintop. Uh, he's going to take them to something really glorious. And as Drew uh, shared with us tonight, they want to stay on the mountain. In verse 2, Jesus takes him up to a high mountain. And if you remember, in Jesus' story, not here in the Gospel of Mark, but in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, Jesus is taken up to a mountain during his 40 days in the desert. And in those 40 days in the desert, he is tempted by the evil one. The last temptation that he is given by the evil one, he's taken to this mountain. And this is what uh, the evil one says it says, or this is what the scripture says in Matthew. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, their beauty. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. 
Now, mountains throughout Scripture and even outside Scripture in, in culture are often associated with places of power, places of perspective, uh, places where you can see beyond, where you encounter spiritual forces. Mountains have a lot of symbolism. And this time, instead of Satan taking Jesus to the mountain, uh, Jesus is taking his followers, three of his followers, to the mountain. And he is the one leading them. The one who actually said no to the temptation of power is now leading his followers up this mountain. And there on the mountain, he is transfigured. Or transformed. Uh, the same verb that Paul uses to describe the present work of the Spirit in believers, or the completion of what we see in Jesus at the resurrection, and what our immortal bodies will experience in their fullness. That's the type of transformation that we see here happening in Mark. And in verse 4, Mark uh, introduces these two characters which if you've seen any Star Wars film and you know that Obi-Wan and Yoda come back and they're ghosts, you know, and they meet with Luke and they, you know, give him the power and it's like a meeting of, of the great spiritual forces. And, and, and that's kind of the, the image here, right, is Elijah and Moses appear. And it says that they're so white, they're so white that, that nobody could have bleached their clothes that white. That it's something otherworldly. And Mark is connecting Elijah and Moses and their role. Elijah is this prophet in the Old Testament. Moses as the one who will lead the people of God out of slavery into freedom. Leads them into the desert. And he goes up the mountain, if you, if you remember. And Peter, as they are there, wants to make a tabernacle. He wants to build shelters for Jesus Elijah and Moses, and he wants to stay on the mountain. And maybe he's thinking, we will just stay here, and we'll just hang out and kind of like camp out here for the rest of our lives. Or maybe he's thinking, we'll go down the mountain and bring others up here to the mountain <coughs> to see this, to see this incredible display of glory and power. I want to build you a tabernacle, Jesus. I want to build you a place here. And Peter gets reprimanded in a way. I mean, a lot of times pastors, in fact, we talked about it in our staff meeting this week, pastors kind of make a big deal about Peter here. <clears throat> and they're like, Peter, you know, Peter wanted to stay on the mountain. And they kind of criticize Peter. And if you're just looking at this text, you might say, man, why does Peter get, get such a hard time? <clears throat> well, if you go back to chapter 8, chapter 8 helps us understand what is happening in chapter 9. Because in chapter 8, Jesus has predicted his death for the first time. He says to his followers that he is going to be betrayed and that he is going to die. This is, this is what it says in Mark 8. Verse, starting in verse 31, Jesus immediately began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed 
and after three days rise again. He spoke spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside to rebuke him. Peter rebukes Jesus. And what is he rebuking Jesus about? Jesus, you're not going to die. You're not going to suffer. We're not going to let that happen to you. We want to go to the mountain. We want to live on the mountain. <coughs> and, and Jesus is thinking about and, and Jesus is saying, Peter, that's not the way. That's not the way. Jesus goes on to say in verse 34, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul. Take up the cross. See, we celebrate the life of Jesus in the sense that we celebrate this path, this downward journey that Jesus took for us at Christmas. Jesus comes down, he becomes a baby. That Jesus is Emmanuel, he is God with us. That he tabernacles among us. That God is here with us in the dark places. We celebrate that because it sets us free. Because of what it has accomplished for us. But what we've failed so often, especially here in the, I hate to say, white evangelical church in America. What we have failed to understand is that if we get to be recipients of that freedom, that we are united with Christ, not just in the freedom, we're united with him in that downward journey. That we are with him in that downward journey. It's not just we get to go to the mountain. He wants to bring us down the mountain. This is the journey of Lent. Jesus is leading us back to the dust that we came from. And it's there when we experience the dust of who we are that we also will taste the miracle of the inspiration of the breath of God being breathed into us. The artist, the artist that God is, that he makes from dust. I'm in a group right now, let me just say, first of all, too, as a pastor at this church, it is so cool, I say it a lot, I know, but it is so cool to be able to come to this church and be able to sit in this church and be led in worship by people that are not me. It's so good to have Danny and Emily and every, the whole band up here singing, leading us. It's so good to be able to sit here and receive from Drew. It's so good in the confession. It's so good to be able to be a part of a story group and receive training from Sarah Claire. And I am in two story groups. One I am leading. Another one that I'm in, though, is on Thursdays during lunch. 
And we are being led by Robin and Mary, who's in the back there. Mary's got her red mask on, right? And Mary also gave me tonight for Valentine's Day a rubber chicken. It's the first time I've ever gotten a rubber chicken for Valentine's Day. Thank you, Mary. This thing actually shoots really far, too. Let's see how far we can go. All the way almost to Mary. Um, I am in Mary's uh, story group. And, and she and Robin led us this week. Uh, and we're reading this book called The Artist's Way. And we have this calling this, or this invitation to do an artist date. And the artist date is a date we do with ourselves. Um, and I'm planning on actually going to the Norton Art Museum more on a regular basis. That's part of my thing. I can just walk over. But this week... I sat in our newly uh, remodeled treehouse, meaning I fixed some of the boards that were rotten in our treehouse, and I had my little, um, whatever those things, UE Boom thing, little speaker, and my phone, and I listened to an entire album by myself in the treehouse. Now, if you want to come experience my treehouse, just let me know. You, we can set you up in the treehouse. But it is like so cool to sit in the treehouse. You're up in like the branches, you know, and there's palm trees all around and the birds are coming up there. And I listen to an entire album. Does anybody still listen to entire albums? Okay. So when I was growing up, that was a thing. You went, you bought an album, you bought a tape, you bought a CD. And you listen to the whole thing, and the, 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 the cassette like took you on a journey. It, it showed you the way uh, uh, that this band was on, this journey that this band was on. And you, you experienced it. It wasn't just a one-hit wonder. It wasn't just a song, <clears throat> one song. But it was a journey. And it's one that I feel like our culture really misses a lot of time because of the, the whole like downloading and the way things work, we don't, we don't have that experience as much. So it's really cool to see that that's still happening. But I just took the time to listen and get lost in the music. There's this incredible thing that happens here in this text. That it's, it's really the highlight of this section of the text. And it, and it is in verse 7. When God says in the midst of the transformation, in the midst of the transfiguration, he says, listen to my son. Listen to my son as he leads you on a path. In some ways you can see him speaking to Peter. Peter, just be quiet, dude, for a second. Put the tape in and listen. Put the album on. Sit down and listen, Peter. You think you know the way, Peter. You don't know the way yet. Listen to the music, to the song that is being sung, Peter. This is the invitation. We have Moses on the mountain at Mount Sinai. And the cloud comes and, and he gets the Ten Commandments. And this is the way now that the people are going to be called to live. You know, they've been set free from their slavery. They're in the desert. Moses goes to the mountain. God appears, this cloud. He receives the commandments. He, this is the way in which we are going to do life as we move towards building this new kingdom. As we move through the desert, as we establish this new kingdom. This is the way. 
And we're, we're caught up in that imagery as we're listening to the album, as we're listening to the music. And now, God is connecting for us that Jesus, Jesus is the way. These things from the Old Testament, these promises, these commandments, <clears throat> they're not necessarily done away with, but they are fulfilled to even a greater extent in who Jesus is. He is the embodiment of the way of God. He is the embodiment of the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. Listen to Him. Jesus, or Peter is wanting to cement Jesus' place of power there on the mountain. And Jesus says, get behind me, Peter. Get behind me. Because the way, that's the way of power. That is not the way of love. Um, if you uh, follow me on Twitter, which maybe one of you in here does, if you uh, are friends with me on Facebook, which I know nobody even uses Facebook anymore, but you'll see at times that I have been outspoken about a current situation that happened to a celebrity a Christian evangelist in our country, a, a man named Ravi Zacharias. I had a little insight into some of the things that were going on uh, with him uh, a while ago, and I was vocal about those uh, on the day he died. And people were not happy with me about that, in fact. Uh, even some local pastors here sent some comments to me. You know, how could you do such a thing? Or you were just trying to be edgy and cool. And they would, they would say these different things, and, and it was hurtful to me. But the reason that I spoke out about the things that I knew about this man was not uh, because I want to discredit evangelical pastors, uh, celebrity evangelical pastors. Uh, it is because I knew uh, a victim. It is because I know other victims. And while the world was kind of celebrating on the day that Ravi Zacharias died, oh, this man has done so much. I knew that the victims were hurting even more that they were hurting even more. See, there's something that has happened here in, in American evangelical, white evangelical culture that we want to live on the mountain and we want to cement our leaders, places, statues, if you will, or thrones on the mountain because we want to be led by them. <coughs> in a way, it, it, it's, it's a way of us kind of losing ourselves in them. That they can be strong and they can be courageous and we can just kind of come and sit before them and be inspired. But what I want to tell you is that Jesus wants you to listen to the album. In this case, to listen to the gospel of Mark. Take this week. As I said, give something up. If you want to take something up, take up the gospel of Mark. You can read it in like an hour. It's so fast. It's like boom, 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 boom. Listen to the record. <clears throat> know the word. Know the one who's being revealed in it. It is such a passion of ours here at this church that you know Jesus, that you know yourself, 
and that you're known in community so that you are not taken into this thing that has hurt the white evangelical church in America so much that we give into this worship of these men and, and sometimes even women and we put them on these pedestals. It's one of the reasons I don't preach here all the time. It's one of the reasons we have flat leadership and we mix things up. Because I'm certainly not your answer. I promise you. Jesus is wanting us to hear, to listen to this way. The way of love is different. It doesn't abuse victims, it empowers them. It lifts them up because it suffers with them. I want to point you to another story. It's in Mark chapter 14. It's later in the Gospel of Mark. And while Peter is wanting to stay on the mountain, and while Peter isn't wanting to to leave the mountain and, and go back down to the suffering, he gets rebuked by Jesus in a way for, for wanting to worship on the mountain. But I want to contrast that with this story in Mark uh, chapter 14 in verse 3. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. So Jesus is in the home of a leper. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. And she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Skip forward just a few verses to verse 8. She did, this is Jesus speaking, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. This woman is wanting to create a moment. She's wanting to anoint Jesus. She's wanting to do something beautiful. But it's not on the mountain. It's not on the way up the mountain. It's on the way down the mountain. It's on the way to the tomb. That this woman will spend this intimate moment with Jesus. And she is not rebuked for it. She's not rebuked for it. Because something about her, she has understood where Jesus is going. She knows the way. And she enters into it with him. She is saying, I'm going down with you. In solidarity with my king, I'm going with you wherever you go. In verses 8 through 9, this is the work of transformation. It's the journey down the mountain. It's the journey of Lent. It's the journey to the cross. It's the journey to the tomb. It's in the tomb, not on the mountain, where we taste resurrection. It's in the tomb, not on the mountain, where we see life come from death. 
In verse 8, it says, and suddenly. See, they wanted to say what they had seen. They wanted to talk about the glory on the mountain. And Jesus wanted them first to see the glory of the cross. He wanted them first to see the glory of the empty tomb. There was a greater glory that was coming, a more confounding glory that was coming than what they had seen on the mountain. That this is the way that Jesus wants us to go. In Mark 15, verse 16, the soldiers led Jesus away into the palace and called together the whole company of soldiers. And they put a purple robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him. And they began to call out to him, Hail, King of the Jews! Again and again they struck him on the head with a staff and spit on him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to him. And Jesus doesn't rebuke them. This is the way of Jesus. This is the way that Jesus will enter into the suffering of the world. He does not hold back. And in Mark 15, verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. What is it that this soldier, this centurion, has understood about the way of Jesus that now he sees that he is the Son of God? But this is the journey that not only our Savior went on, but it is the journey that Jesus invites us on. It is the journey of dying to self. What does that mean? It's a very vulnerable journey. It's a journey of coming out of hiding for us. Self, we want to protect. We want to put on masks. We want to pretend that everything is okay. But the way of Jesus that he invites us to is to come out of hiding. To come out. To walk with him. That we don't have to be afraid of the darkness in us, and we don't have to be afraid of the darkness in the world. That this is the way that Jesus brings us, and it's from there that we will taste life. Let us pray.